When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Discourse, the short-form one-on-one interview show with filmmakers, actors, other industry folks, which is a part of the Playlist Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mike D'Angelo. On this episode, I got to sit down with writer-creators of the buzziest new show of the year, pun intended, Ashley Lyle and Bart Nickerson, uh, creators of the show Yellow Jackets. If you're not familiar with Yellow Jackets, it's the hit Showtime series which follows a female soccer team that's stranded in the wilderness after a plane crash. The show follows the kind of aftermath of the crash in the 1990s and the modern versions of the survivors as they deal with the trauma and possibly supernatural issues that may or may not have followed them home. It's got action, drama, horror, a dash of cannibalism, a sprinkle of forest demons, and you never know what's really going to pop up in the show. During our chat, we got into how the show came together, working with Karn Kusama on the pilot, comparisons to Lord of the Flies, working in the right mixture of cannibalism and supernatural elements, and a quick tease for season two. As always, The Discourse is a part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes the Playlist Podcast and Yellowstoners, which I'm also a part of. Also, Be Real, Deep Focus, The Fourth Wall, and more. It can be heard on iTunes, Anchor FM, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts of choice. Feel free to like, subscribe, and comment. Uh, drop us you know, a rating, whatever you can do. We really appreciate it. Okay, enjoy The Discourse with the delightful Ashley Lyle and Bart Nickerson. But uh, we'll just jump right in. Uh, I, I just want to, you know, upfront say, Ashley Bart, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to to speak with me, um, especially about this show, Yellow Jackets, which is excellent. And I just got to finish the uh, finale uh, about a day and a half ago, and so it's still fresh in my mind. Very excited for everyone to see it and react to it. So, congratulations, I guess, upfront on you know this first season. How does it feel just initially coming out of it? Was it a marathon? Thank you so much. And, and yeah, no, thanks so much for taking the time and for having us. Um, this is really fun. Uh, it's, it's been wild the last couple of weeks in particular. It feels like there's some momentum building in terms of people watching the show, which is incredibly exciting, especially after, yeah, marathon is definitely a word I would use to describe making this first season. It was, um, it was a journey. It was not easy. I think particularly because, you know, we were dealing with COVID when we were in production. It's, you know, making a TV show is an, just an sort of insane undertaking. It's sort of <laughs> shocking having gone through it that people continue to do this. Yeah, our, uh, our first boss um, uh, uh, said, um, making a feature is like uh, running a marathon. Uh, making television is like uh, uh, sprinting until you die. And <laughs> <laughs> that very much like aligns with our experience, I think. And yet you've been in, involved with, you know, everything from like the originals to Narcos to one of my favorites, Dispatches from Elsewhere. Absolutely loved that show. And now you're jumping into it again. So you you must be gluttons for punishment. 
how far back does this idea go? Where did this start and, and how did it become like this project that was firing on all cylinders? We, we started kicking around the idea when we were working on Narcos Mexico. Nice. Um, so it was a while ago mm-hmm. and it was something that was started with just the kernel of the idea was, was pretty simple. It was just sort of a what if and, and Bart and I were, were married to each other. We work together. We're around each other all the damn time and uh, <laughs> you know, we're, we're constantly throwing ideas back and forth and a lot of them just get a kind of like huh okay maybe but I think this is one that kind of grabbed us pretty quickly you know it started from a simple place it actually started with the idea of the the teenagers out in the wilderness the sort of you know girl sports team plane crash you know with with elements of alive elements of um the Donner party and then, <laughs> And then we were, I, I think we originally pitched it as, um, what if the kids from Dazed and Confused became the Donner Party? And so, <laughs> you know, just that very concept we, we thought was really fun. And then we had this idea that we could, um, you know, expand that and, and actually include the survivors. And then the idea of, of painting this fuller portrait of people who went through this experience just became really exciting and intriguing to us. It, it felt like such a great way to tell real kind of intense and, and long-term journeys for these women. And uh, we just ended up kind of running with it. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, yeah, like uh, after the first few pieces of uh, kind of the premise came together, uh, we actually live pretty close to Griffith Park. And so um, like a big part, of, like a big part of our process is actually just uh, uh, taking hikes and uh, talking about character. And so like, although we didn't like unnecessarily plan it this way. Um, it was almost as though like um, each hike could kind of be uh, titled kind of the misty hike. And uh, <laughs> we would just sort of like talk through different uh, kind of pieces of character, how that could sort of be translated into plot and um, just kind of like uh, we kind of end up with, you know, the like uh, metaphorically reams and reams and reams of character stuff. And then at some point we go like, wait, this has to start to turn into a plot. Um, and then <laughs> Like, uh, we kind of shift to that next. So you've been involved with a lot of projects as more than just writers, like writer producers or creators. Is that because you like to, to have more of a creative hand on the wheel? Uh, first and foremost, you know, I consider myself a, a writer. But, mm-hmm. but, you know, at the end of the day, a screenplay, even a great one, is like a plan, you, you know? And, like, it's not a thing yet. And so t- to be a part of that plan turning a... Uh, I'm into a thing where, you know, like uh, just a million little uh, uh, micro uh, kind of adjustments have to be made. Uh, I mean, if it's not actually changing the words, it's the feel and uh, what it means are all sort of like shifting and growing and uh, kind of elaborating. And so to sort of get to be a part of that process, um, like, like it's just something that we've been really uh, kind of fortunate uh, to be given uh, uh, the opportunity to. Seems kind of like the writer's dream. You know, you find, you get this thing that you get out and you have this piece of content and then, you know, things, inputs come in and everybody's opinions in this way, you can at least like say, but let's keep an eye on this. Is that right. kind of what it was? It is. And, and to some extent, that's the beauty of working in television as opposed yeah. to features is that producing is really part of the job. And so, you know, there are all the different titles in a writer's room from story editor and and staff writer all the way up through supervising producer, co-executive producer, executive producer. And and ultimately, 
you know, to some extent, your your experience level changes, but the job remains the same. And we were lucky enough on our very first job as staff writers on the originals, we were sent to set, we were producing our episodes, we were involved in post. And um, it's it's really the beauty of, of television being a team sport the way it is. And writers are sort of joyfully in control to some extent, you know, with the rest of the team who all has incredible input. But to be able to not just put the words on the page, but build the world around it is incredibly creatively satisfying. Yeah, and I would also add that there's, you know, it's like there's a lot of stuff that happens in the room that doesn't necessarily uh, make it uh, into the script because it would sort of be too kind of cumbersome to read and uh, kind of evaluate. And, you know, so the people that know everything that goes between the lines, which sometimes could be uh, metaphorically pages and pages and pages of sort of backstory or just tonal feel um, sort of uh, like stuff. Like the people who uh, know that are the people that are in the room having those conversations. And so just having that a resource available to production to be able to just like uh, uh, know it and then to like translate it to their skill set is just uh, invaluable. It does get a little overwhelming at times, though, I will say. I think that people don't quite realize the insane level of minutia that that gets discussed. I mean, even details like the the bumper sticker on Adam's truck, you know, you have multiple email chains going and 10 different versions of it and you're tweaking it. And, and that's really true of every single thing on screen to the point where it becomes more than a little exhausting at times. So if you are a control freak, it's like a very good news, bad news situation. <laughs> you know, on top of that, you get to work with great directors. You got to do the pilot with Karin Kusama. Um, shout out to Jennifer's body. How much of a collaborative process is like a pilot in TV? Because I know, like you were kind of explaining, director's medium is film, writer's medium is TV. How does it work when you're creating a pilot? Because I know there's a, li- a little more creative input from the director as far as the pilot goes. But what would you say the process looked like overall? I mean, we were incredibly lucky in that I think sometimes there can be more friction in that situation in television because, you know, the showrunner has his or her her or their own vision and then the director will come in with a vision. And we were so lucky that, that Karin has such an incredibly strong vision, but is also very, very collaborative. So it really was a team effort from the word go. I mean, Karin was with us every step of the way in terms of casting and, you know, we worked with her DP, Julie, who had done Destroyer and and some of her other movies. And to get, we really all worked together with mood boards and, you know, endless discussions about what this world would look like and feel like and sound like. And we never really butted heads, which was phenomenal. It, it really just was a beautiful marriage. And Karin is, it, it helps that Karin is so smart and so incisive and also just such a good person that it was just kind of a dream scenario in a, in a really cliched and possibly cheesy way. Um, it was just, yeah, it, it, it was easy somehow. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, like uh, making a pilot is incredibly difficult, but like our kind of relationship was both, you know, uh, like in terms of uh, creatively and uh, personally, it was really just like a dream. And as far as like the characters go and the content and the plot, you've said uh, previously that it, there is inspiration from like Lord of the Flies, stuff like that which is itself kind of this broad examination of human nature, 
and like the fragility of civilization, all that stuff, which is definitely present here. But obviously that's about a group of boys stranded, you know, on an island. And this is, you know, a group of mostly females. And inherently it seems immediately more complex. And anyone, I grew up with two older sisters, so I know teenage girls. Like there were tweets out there that were like, what are they going to work together and figure it out with no problems? I'm like, you have clearly never lived with teenage girls because they are vicious uh, more mentally than physically. And in this case, they're both. So how much time did you spend kind of comparing and contrasting to those worlds? And do you see like it becoming more Lord of the Flies where it's like team A versus team B, like these two viewpoints, or is that where you're going to kind of differ? You know, I don't know that we really spent a ton of time uh, comparing and uh, uh, kind of contrasting, you know, I mean, like, obviously, uh, Lord of the Flies is just, you know, at this point, sort of like, uh, I'm embedded into the DNA of culture in like a way that it's just sort of like, unavoidable, where like, even if you haven't seen the movie or uh, read the book, you are just like, in some way, sort of like, uh, subtly shaped by it. You know, I guess I don't 100% know if this is a result of gender or like a gender just became a part of this. But I think like uh, one of the major uh, differences in terms of the way that uh, we're like approaching it is like, feels like a Lord of the Flies approached it uh, very much from like the way that uh, the external sort of forces itself upon character as where I feel like we started from like a slightly more uh, or like, like a very extremely more like um, from the internal and the way that that shapes. So like a kind of relationship and uh, the interpersonal as opposed to like title or a social structure. And then you also like mix in the supernatural elements to it, which are really interesting. And they're, it's just teased throughout the story and kind of teed up almost in this finale. I'm not even sure how to explain like what is keeping them there. I'll I'll just call it the Lord of the Bees since we can't say Lord of the Flies or anything like that, but it's seemingly entrapping them in the wilderness. How much of that mystery as writers do you guys actually want to answer? Are we going to get answers or do you always kind of want to keep that mysterious? I think the most important point when it comes to the supernatural is what our characters believe that ultimately is is more important than than what's real and what isn't and of course you know we're walking a bit of a line and we know it and we want to make sure that we give our viewers sort of a satisfying experience and there's only so much ambiguity that you can get away with um, after a certain point but we've always been sort of fascinated by varying phenomena you know Possession is something that has been sort of documented, whether or not it's real is something that people believe happens to them and other people believe happens to them. Um, You know, mass hysteria, mass sort of psychosis is, is also a phenomenon that has been documented. And so I think that we're very interested in those sort of questions more than we are with answers. You know, what is possible? What exists out there? It, it, It feels to us like a really interesting and very salient question to be asking. And, you know, we've had many, many discussions in the writer's room, who believes what, and do you believe in ghosts? And do you believe in this? And do you believe in that? And it's really interesting to see when, when people who you wouldn't necessarily peg as, as someone who believes in, in the supernatural does or vice versa. And so I think it's, it's really an interesting Rorschach test for people. Like, what do you believe? I would also add that, like, I think the question of what it even means to be real uh, um, is one that like like sort of gets played here too because it's like you know if you're having a subjective experience like that on a certain level is real 
Um, now, like uh, whether it sort of like uh, coheres to other real facts of life, you know, and uh, whether it is like functional or sort of like, like separate but kind of related questions. And so like, you know, I think that's also like a big part of it is how is how the characters define real and how they sort of operationalize real. When it comes to these characters and the cast that plays them, it's freaking amazing, if I may say so. I have to assume that every time you heard word that this person said yes or this person said yes, you were jumping for joy. Um, they make both generations feel really organically the same character. It feels like, you know, after, I think within the pilot, I was just like, okay, this person, this person, I've, I've lined them up pretty well and it's easy to go back and forth. They even look and speak alike. How much are you involved with making sure that gels or is that just like they're amazing actors and I don't know how this happened? <laughs> I mean, we were, we were very deliberate in the casting process. And so, you know, to some extent, none of that is an accident, although we got very, very, very lucky in a lot of cases. And, you know, obviously in terms of the physical matching, just to help people get oriented when they're watching and, and making sure that people understand, oh, that's Natalie, that's Natalie. You know, there's a certain amount of um, hair dye and, and color <laughs> like that, that that helped us out. But then also the all of the actors really, they put in the work, you know, they, even though they're never really working together, although it was, it was a funny little moment when all the younger cast realized that Ella was going to get to work with Melanie, they were all incredibly jealous because generally <laughs> speaking, the laws of time and space are not going to allow for that. But yeah, they all still, they met up with each other. They, they talked, they talked character, they talked mannerisms. And some of them were just lucky accidents. It's very funny because I and Bart, I think, um, very much assumed that Christina and Samantha, who play Misty, had collaborated on the pushing up of the eyeglasses. But they both just naturally gravitated towards that particular gesture, which I think is so amazing and hilarious. And um, I, I think it really speaks to the fact that they both really understood this character in the same fundamental way. Yeah. And like, like, I think it's also a, a kind of a testament to, you know, like a lot of uh, the episodic directors, I think the writing staff, uh, you know, like the people that we kind of work with are so talented and kind of amazing that such clear uh, characterizations to sort of for these great uh, uh, kind of actors to both sort of pull from the same sort of well. And so, you know, like, I think it's like a lot of people who are uh, uh, really good at their job doing it in like a pretty passionate way. So I know this is going to be like, you know, making you pick your favorite child, but if push came to shove, I could do it. So, I mean, I'm going to ask who your favorite yellow jacket is to write for. I know if you know, if it was a Misty day, I'd be happy as a clam to sit down and think up bonkers things for her to say and do. I, I have to say Misty is incredibly fun to write for. Mm -hmm. And oh, man, it is like picking a favorite child, but it's really hard not to say Misty. <laughs> <laughs> so much. Yeah, I, well, I mean, yeah, like, yeah, like, I don't know that I can pick. I mean, because like, it's almost like, uh, like a uh, what day, you, you know, it's like, it's like a shifting mood where it's like sometimes you're really you know just loving uh, kind of misty sometimes you're really loving lottie or shauna and so yeah it is hard to pick yeah i suppose they do all have their moments and whatnot but yeah misty would be very fun you seem like the type of writers that like to focus on like one project at a time is it possible that you're going to branch out and do more than one at, at one time i'm told you pitched like five projects when you you did this one so are any of those like tinkering in the background i mean i think we're 
always tinkering a little bit in the background, but we do tend to get a little bit myopic when it comes to something that we're working on. Um, we, we throw ourselves into it pretty wholeheartedly. And so I think just by necessity, we, we end up focusing on the thing we, that we're working on. It's just the way our brains work. Um, so I think at least for the near future, let me tell you, doing one show is enough. When you yeah. look at people yeah. like five shows on the air, I'm like, are you a robot? I yeah. don't understand. And, you know, I think when you get into more of a supervisory role, sort of just kind of exec producing and letting um, the show kind of run on its own a little bit more autonomously, that's different, but we intend, um, at least for the near future, to really have a the same kind of hand that we had in the first season. Yeah, but I mean, but uh, that said, I mean, there are a few things like percolating and there's a few conversations, you know, I mean, like Very not nice. like a formal, but like between us, uh, which is like a, like a big part of our uh, kind of process is just uh, the internal sort of like dream big phase. Of course. Uh, because, yeah, like, because there can also be something slightly uh, kind of relaxing about that. It's like, I don't go to the gym, but people that go to the gym tell me that sometimes like working the opposite uh, muscles, you know, so it's like, if you want your biceps to be big, you work your triceps, like the opposite uh, motion. Um, and so like, uh, sometimes I think that like working on other kind of things can, you know, like uh, just a little can help like free up or change the lens that you're viewing the main uh, project through. Absolutely. Obviously, I won't ask for specifics, but what can you tease as far as season two? How, you know, what things are going to be explored, how far the process is, you know, as far as like breaking the season? I guess I'd be hesitant to tease anything kind of specific because I mean, when Ashley and I pitched this, you know, uh, uh, we pitched a sort of a, a multi-season plan. Oh, okay. Um, but things change in uh, kind of the micro even if a lot of the macro is uh, kind of staying together like again as we kind of brought up before like it's one of the fun parts of it being such a collaborative uh, uh, kind of medium it's like things become like a richer and deeper and shift and change and so uh, because we're still at like a reasonably early part of season two and like uh, making these sort of like over uh, uh, kind of arching plans uh, kind of specific just be afraid of like teasing something that shifted and changed Understand, um, and then it's like hey uh, what happened to that thing that was supposed to be like a ship i won't say the character name but mm-hmm. there's an adult version that may be coming to the show in season two of a mystery yellow jacket has that person been cast can you confirm that or not that person has not yet been cast okay that is something that we are beginning to think about and work on right now but i guess we can tease it for season two you know there are other survivors out there Mm-hmm. And that will come into play. Um, I also think that, you know, much like we were discussing the supernatural before and the idea of belief and what people do and don't believe in, that will be very central thematically to the second season. And, you know, I think that we're well aware that that we have maybe tried the viewership's patience a little bit with our tease of cannibalism in <laughs> episode one and like to, you know, assure everyone that we will not be dragging that out forever so get ready well you gotta you gotta get there you know you gotta earn that moment where where it's understandable like i agree that like you don't have like a tolerance for like necessarily dragging it out forever but i guess i think that it has to be done in a way that serves the story that we're trying to tell or else it like will be uh, disappointing like I say that from a perspective of taking the responsibility of uh, delivering people something that is like good and uh, exciting and uh, moving 
uh, very seriously. And so I genuinely hope that we get to it soon. Yeah. It's funny uh, to be watching people, um, you know, watching the season, looking on Twitter and, and Reddit and whatnot, you know, by episode four, people are saying, when are they going to eat each other? And it's like, you guys, it's too soon. <laughs> it's just way too soon. I, I, I mean, yeah, I like, I mean, like, I think a lot happened. In the first yeah, there's season. a lot going on. And there were times I was like, this is too much. <laughs> Well, I am very much looking forward to seeing what evolves in season two, uh, but everyone else is going to get to see the finale on the 16th on Sunday. Looking forward to that and hearing the conversations that come of it. But regardless, Ashley Lyle, Bart Nickerson, very much enjoying your work so far and looking forward to seeing what comes in the future. Thanks so much for your time. Mike, yeah, thank, thank you. you. Uh, it was really fun.